Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. Uh, Tonight, this is Bible study. And it would not be a good study if you don't learn anything. So I'm not after hype or anything like that. I'm after you obtaining knowledge, becoming informed, so that you can keep the devil where he belongs, and that is under your feet. Can somebody say amen? Go ahead and put up nugget number one as we delve into this teaching tonight, renewing the mind. Nugget number one. Ready? Uh, to our e-church all around the world, please don't just sit there, but become an engaged participant. It's important that you do that. Ready? Read. Read read that again. Say it again. Your mind controls your life. Nugget number two. Ready? Read. Oh my, you must renew your mind with what? You must renew your mind with the word of God. Because your mind controls your life. Yes? So you must renew your mind with what? So that means you have to spend quality time listening to the word. Studying the word. Meditating on the word. Amen? Until the word of God becomes a part of you. Till it saturates your very being that you only speak what the word says. You only act out what the word says. You only go where the word says. You'll only have what the word says. The only thing that comes out of your mouth is not your emotions and your feelings, but it's the word of God. Amen? Why? Because your words, your mind will control your, your life. Amen? Nugget number three. Ready? Read. Renewing is ceasing to be one thing and becoming another. Becoming another. For the mere fact it says becoming another, that means it's progressive. Nugget number four. Ooh, Jesus. Say it out loud. Come on, say it again. You, you, you don't come to dance. You don't come, and it's all good. You don't come to shout. Ooh-wee. You don't come to just hear the word. But you come to hear the word with the intent to do. Because until you do the word, there'll be no change in your life. So you can come to church for the rest of your life. And I didn't say you wouldn't go to heaven. But you will not live in victory down here if you're not a doer of the word. You're just a hearer only. So you come to church. Come on. You come to church to change. And it's important that the leader, the pastor, spend time with God to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying so that he can speak to your heart, your soul, your spirit that will cause a change to happen on the inside of you where you change your mind. 
Nugget number five. Ready? Please read. So your mind, it has to be transformed. It has to be renewed. Your mind has to change. Touch one person or two people say, you need a mind change. Yeah, yeah. we all to some degree need a mind change. Because if we get the right mind change, amen, our marriage will flow better. If we get a mind change, relationships will be healed. If we get a mind change, we won't struggle with doubt and fear. If we get a mind change, ooh, Jesus. Nugget number six. Ready? Read, please. The mind is the seat of all spiritual and carnal conflict. Sounds like a spiritual warfare. It sounds like that the soulish part of you is at war with the spiritual side of you. Ooh, Jesus. The, the flesh side of you never wants to obey God. And if it can have its way, it will lead you literally out of the will of God. Nugget number six, say it again. The mind is the seat of all spiritual and carnal conflict. And if we watch you long enough, we'll know which one of these two entities is winning in your life. Whether the carnal side or the spiritual side. It will manifest itself. Amen? Now, let's go to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse number 22. Renewing the mind. Are you there? Ready? Listen. That you put off concerning your former conduct. Look up here. Do you all remember how you used to act and how you used to talk and how you used to live before you became born again? These lights are in my eyes. Do you remember how you acted before you gave your life to Jesus? Do you remember some of the things, you remember some of the places you used to go? Do you remember some of the hole in the walls you used to go to? Do you remember some of the people that you used to run with until you became born again? Do you remember? And, and look what Apostle Paul says. He says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit 
of your mind. Verse 24. And that you, somebody say you. You what? Put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, according to Romans 6, verse number 6, we already know that we have been crucified uh, with Christ. So the old man has been crucified, yes, but he doesn't know it. And if you don't get your mind renewed, you can't tell him. So in other words, this, this new man that we become in Christ, it is a work of the Spirit of God. You can't make yourself a new man. It is a working of the Holy Ghost. But the old man, you have to put him off. In other words, he won't go unless you let him go. So Paul here is talking to believers. Yes? He's talking to the church. Why does he have to tell the church, us, the believers, that now that we're saved, we need to put off something? It sounds like to me then that you can receive Jesus and still cuss if you don't put him off. It sounds like to me you can be born again, spirit-filled, speaking in tongues, and still be jealous and envious and hateful if you don't put him off. It sounds like to me that you can receive Jesus as your Savior, but the world won't know it if you don't put that old man off and put on this new man. As a matter of fact, the challenges that people have with us in trying to live with us, it's not the new man that's their challenge. Your marriage is not on rocks because of the new man. Your disagreement is birthed out of those old people still wanting to dominate, still jealous, still envious, still self-centered, still selfish, still self-willed, still full of pride, still haughty, still unforgiving. That's the old man, still lustful. That's the old man wanting something that doesn't belong to you. That's the old man still conniving, still sneaky, still lying. That's the old man. And he will dominate if you don't put him off. Good God of mercy, they're quiet, Jesus. So Proverbs chapter 23, let's look at that real quick. Proverbs 23. Yeah, the more I put that old man off, the better things get around me. My marriage gets better. My family gets better. I get along with people better. Because I don't take things so personal, I'm so, not so easily hurt, I'm not so easily offended, because I'm not walking in the flesh, I'm not walking in that old man. I don't want to cuss you out if you cuss me. I don't want to do you before you do me. That's that old man. You talk about me, I'm going to talk about you. As a matter of fact, if you look like I'm going to start first. 
That's the old man. That's the old man. But we're to put him off. Amen? Proverbs 23, verse 7. Ready? Read. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Read it again. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Listen, people of God, this is not talking about his facial features. This is not talking about his physical anatomy. This is talking about the way he thinks. And I told you before, when you marry somebody, you don't just marry their biceps and triceps. You don't marry all that long hair or whatever she got on her head. When you marry somebody, you also marry their mind. Ooh, Jesus. So you need to find out before you marry them if they're stingy. If you like the shop. Are, are you listening to me? When you marry somebody, you marry the way they think. And how they think is how you're going to live. If you marry somebody with a poverty mindset, there's a great possibility that you're going to wind up on welfare or just barely making it. Why? Because that's how he thinks. Bad decisions come out of bad thinking. Boy, this, this is, this is, this is, this is really good. We're, we're talking about renewing the mind. Go to Matthew 12. This is not in my note, but, but I want you to go to Matthew 12 because I want you to see something. Be, because mind, the Hebrew word for mind, the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word for mind is N-E-P-H-E-S-H. I don't want to try to say it because you'll say I'm saying it wrong. So you try to say it. N-E-P-H-E-S-H. That's the Hebrew word for mind. It's important that you understand this. Because we're talking about the renewing of. But the Hebrew word for mind is N-E-P-H-E-S-H. And N-E-P-H-E-S-H, this talks about the inner mind. This talks about the inner mind. I-N-N-E-R. Well, you cannot have an inner mind unless you have, talk to me, an outer mind. You're going to get something here in a moment. So when we say mind, the Hebrew word is N-E-P-H-E-S-H, which means the inner mind. Talks about renewing the inner mind. Well, if you got an inner mind, you have to have a Okay, let's read Matthew, what did I say? Chapter 12, look at verse number 13. This is going to help you immensely. So if you have an inner mind, you have to have an outer mind. So there's an inner mind 
that is part of the mind, yes? And there's an outer part of the mind. There's an inner part, N-E-P-H-E-S-H. There's an outer part of the mind, which in the Hebrew is spelled P-E-H. P-E-H, or part of the mind that is connected to the mouth. So when you say mind, you're not just talking about the inner workings of the mind, but you're also talking about, talk to me, the outer workings of the mind. And this is awesome. So, so now you're in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Matthew 12, verse 34. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? Who's talking here? Jesus talking. Look what he says next. For out of the abundance of the inner mind, the outer mind will speak. I don't know what you're thinking, but if I listen to you long enough, and I don't have to watch everything you do, because eventually what you have will tell me what you've been saying. Because you're going to have what you say. And so whatever you're meditating on in your inner mind will get to your outer mind. Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I don't know if you heard this. I know in my neighborhood, they say if you ever really want to know what a person is really thinking, you know, get them drunk. You sound like you're from my neighborhood, or at least a couple blocks away. But they say when a guy, a person gets drunk, I mean, they'll really tell you, uh, you know, really what they've been suppressing. And so Jesus said, he says, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks the outer side of the mind. So when we say renewing the mind, we're not just talking about the inner mind, but we're talking about washing your mouth out with soap. They didn't like that, Jesus. Give me something else. So in other words, nothing, say nothing, can get in your mouth until it gets in your mind, your inner mind, until it gets in your heart. And if you don't control your inner mind, your outer mind will dominate your life. And you will say things that you shouldn't say. And as a result of saying things you shouldn't say, you're going to have some things that you don't really desire. So if you don't want divorce, don't say divorce. 
Because if you don't say it, it'll have no power over you. Holy Jesus. Is this helping anybody at all? Now let's go to Romans chapter 12. Renewing the mind. I come to realize that if I will really value my words and really take note and be careful about what I say, we probably wouldn't talk so much. And the worst time to talk is when you're mad because you're emotional. But what the devil don't want you to know, it doesn't make any difference. In the spirit world, they don't know how you feel it. In the spirit world, it can only take what you say. Are you listening to me? So you don't release anything out of your mouth that you don't want to manifest in your life. Oh, God. Is this helping anybody? If you guard it and shut it down as a thought and don't give it life by speaking it, it'll die. Is this helping anybody? If you will just exercise self-control, no, you don't have to say it. Well, I hear what Pastor Halper saying, but I, I have, I've had enough. See what you're saying? So you're opening the door for you to have an emotional fit. And say things that you don't mean. Because you're speaking out of your emotionalism instead of speaking out of your spirituality from being saturated in the word. Romans chapter 12. Are you learning anything? You're going to get something here in a minute, I'm telling you. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. Why in the world is Paul talking like this to Christians at Rome? He, shouldn't he be saying this to sinners? Why, why is Paul telling church folk to present their bodies? Church folk don't fornicate, do they? Nobody saying anything. There's enough of y'all in here to say something. Come on now. Believers don't lie. Do they? Christians don't start trouble. Create mess. Do they? Christians aren't, aren't envious and strifeful, are they? Come on now, believers are not hard to get along with. The easiest people to get along with on the planet is Harvest Church members. <laughs> Come
on now. Christians speak to everybody. Certainly our brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't get in the hallway and avoid one another. Avoidance just simply means you got something in your heart. Now, they may avoid me, but I don't have to avoid them. Now, we may not speak, but it'll be on their account and not mine. We may not be in love, but I love you. But I can't make you love me. Oh, Jesus. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Here's verse 2. And do not be conformed to this culture. And do not be conformed to this worldly culture. But be, come on, talk to me. Transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and so that's progressive. So that means if you keep renewing your mind, eventually you will engage in the good. And you keep renewing your mind, you'll start walking in the acceptable. And then you keep renewing your mind with the word of God, you get over into what? The perfect, ooh, Jesus, the perfect will of God. No, you don't start out in the perfect will, but you got to get started. Is this helping somebody? Tell somebody you must renew your mind with the word of God. So Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, I like Paul because he was, uh, I believe, the first systematic theologian in Scripture. The first systematic. Matter of fact, you read Apostle Paul's writing, you can tell he's a learned man in the way that he writes things systematically. Uh, some theologians call Romans, uh, uh, they call it the, 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 the fifth gospel. And Paul says that we're not to be conformed to the world. What is he saying? That we don't live like the world. We don't talk like the world. We don't walk like the world. Here we go. We don't think like the world. Are you ready for this? And we don't act like the world. I wonder what Paul would say if he was alive today in the earth. Because by and large, you cannot tell us any different from the world. Who Jesus. Let's just say tonight Jesus is going to go to your house. I mean, after service, I'm going to be finished in just a few minutes. And when you get in the car, Jesus is going to get with you. He's going home with you. When you pull into the driveway or wherever you pull up, will you have to tell him to wait a minute? Would you have to tell Jesus at the front door, wait, wait right here. I'll be back. 
would you have to go in the house and remove something? Because you know if he comes in, he's going to know everything that's in there. Would you have to throw something in the trash? Would you have to change your radio dial? Would you have to hide some of your movies? Could Jesus come to your house and just walk in? I get a couple of folks smiling at me. Some of you looking down. So Paul, get this, because Paul is not talking to sinners. He's talking to us. And he's telling us emphatically, you can be saved. Speaking in tongues. Because speaking in tongues don't mean nothing other than you can speak in tongues. And you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Ooh, Jesus. You can operate in a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, gifts of faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, and an interpretation of tongues, and still be carnal. So just because the gifts operate through your life, that doesn't mean you're spiritual. I don't have time to get in it, but that's why Apostle Paul's letter to the church of Corinth was so long. It was so long, they had so many issues, he had to write two letters. When he got finished with one, he realized they need some more information. And if you study the life out with the church at Corinth, God, Paul put all of his energy into that church and pretty much at the end, they all left him. They were in the church trying to mix godly things with witchcraft and sorcery. They were used to going to the temple, Diana, and having orgies. So Paul got word that there was a man in the church sinning like folk in the world wasn't sinning. He said, I'm hearing things that, that, that heathens don't even do, that, that, a, that a man is having his own mama. And he charged the leaders, you deal with it, because I'm coming. Why do you have to tell a born-again Christian man to leave his stepmama alone? Don't look at me that way. This was going on in the church, and Paul had to address it. So what we see today is nothing new. The devil doesn't have any new tricks. They were getting it on in Paul's day, and they're getting it on today. And Paul says, you won't stop getting it on the wrong way or the right way. To get on the right way, you got to renew your mind. I know that's the truth because I was saved and I fornicated. Some of y'all looking, don't throw no rocks up here at me. I said, I love Jesus, I meant it. 
went out on Friday night, Saturday, got into something. And they said, what do you think? I said, what do you think? And they said, you ready to go? I said, I've been ready. Come to church on Sunday, felt like the pastor was preaching. I mean, I mean, it, it looked like he was looking at me. I got mad, like you do sometimes. <laughs> felt like the preacher was looking at me. Preached the message. I felt like it was just for me. I felt like somebody called him before I came to church. You know, and he gave an altar call. I come dragging my behind down to the altar. Again, help me, Jesus. Help me. And I come to realize the reason I kept coming to the altar is because I wasn't being taught. And nobody told me now that I'm saved, I got to get my mind renewed because everything in my life flows out of what I think. And when I got saved, it didn't change my mind. When I got saved, it just changed my spiritual destination. But to live in victory in this life, I need a renewed mind. To not act like the world, I can't think like the world. But how can I think other than the world? Because the world is all I know. I just came to Jesus. I just got saved. And then God forbid you get saved and be in a church where they don't teach. You're at the altar every Sunday. And so the devil jumps on your shoulder, shoulders and stops bombarding you and attacking you about your salvation. And your problem is not your salvation. Your problem is your mind need to be renewed with the Word of God. Can somebody say amen or oh me? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Are you learning anything? Yeah, you're not a bad person. You just need more word. You're not a bad person. You just don't have enough. You're just not committed to enough word yet to consistently do right. Jesus, never said that before and I've been a pastor for a while. It's not that you're not saved. You're not committed First of all, you haven't heard enough word that you committed yourself to that will give you the power to live consistently as a victorious child of God. And because you're not committed to enough word, your life is like a roller coaster. And when we get around people, we can't tell you any different from them. Though you be saved and they're a heathen, but your lives are the same. They cuss, you cuss. They smoke, you smoke. They drink, you drink. They party, you party. Ooh, getting quiet. <laughs> they buy lottery tickets. You buy lottery tickets. And buying lottery tickets only is birthed out of covetousness. You're trying to get rich easy. You, you, you buy it because you're trying to get rich without work. Ooh, Jesus. Ooh, Jesus. 
<laughs> Look at your face. <laughs> when Jesus already showed you the way to prosperity, it's by sowing and reaping. Oh, God. Is this good? First Corinthians, are you there? Chapter 2. Is it warm in here or is it just me? Look at verse 16. Let's hurry up. Look at verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have, come on now. This is Apostle Paul talking. And he's dealing with folks who are acting ungodly. He said, you can say what you want to say, but we have the mind of Christ. Paul said, I got the mind. What I'm saying it's been downloaded to me from God. This revelation I have, God has given it to me. I have the mind of Christ. Well, if Paul can have it, so can you and I. If Apostle Paul can have the mind of Christ, so can you and I. But we have, he said, the mind of Christ. Well, what is the absence of the mind of Christ. Envy, strife, divisions, carnality. All those things are a sign that you do not have the mind of Christ. See, you can't fuss in, in your home, you can't fuss in the marriage unless both of you are willing to fuss. Because you can't fuss by yourself. Try it. Try fussing and the other person never responds. I mean, you'll just be fussing, you know, going out the door because they're not responding to you. And then you'll be mad because they didn't respond. But you're still fussing because it takes two. Nobody wants to fuss by themselves. Say amen to the truth. The reason they're fussing is they want you to join in. Oh, Jesus. And if you don't get your mind renewed, you're going to join in. And if they don't get their mind renewed, they're going to keep fussing. Man, this is good. I said, boy, this is good. It is in the mind where we wrestle with the desires of the flesh that are engaged in a war against the will of the Spirit. You want me to say it again? It is in the mind. Where? It is in the mind where we wrestle. That's where the warfare is. With the desires of the flesh that are engaged in war against what? Against the will of the Spirit. Your flesh never, say never, your flesh never wants to do the will of God. Your flesh never want to do right. Your flesh always want more. When it says to you at 2 in the morning, I just want another little piece of the pie. It's lying. All your flesh is trying to do is get you out of bed and get you back in the kitchen. Jesus. 
Because it knows when you open the refrigerator and you see that piece of lemon meringue pie, you're not going to take just the taste. You're going to, your flesh is ruling. It's dominating you. And your flesh has a voice. And when you get in the kitchen, the flesh is going to say, well, now that you're out of bed, and you're all the way in the kitchen, I know, I know you didn't bring me all this way just to take a bite. And the next thing you know, your flesh is sitting at the counter with a fork and a paper plate. Oh, Jesus. Preach, boy, preach. Would you put up in the video department, would you put up Romans chapter 12, verse 2, put it up in the Living Bible? Put it up, if you would, please, in the Living Translation. I just have a few minutes left. Can, can you put it up in the Living Translation? Is there anybody here who have? I'm sorry I didn't bring my, my iPad out. I could have went right to it real quick. Is, is that the, yeah, they, there we go. Ooh, Jesus. Ready? Read. Come on, let's read it like we can read. Ready? Read. Come on, start over. Eat church, you say it with us as well. Don't copy the behavior and customs. Of the, are we not doing that? I said, are we not doing that? They braid their hair, we braid ours. They put six earrings in their nose, we put six. They have their pants hanging off the butt, we have our pants hanging off the butt. The women put on a dress up to the navel, we put on a dress up to our navel. They put on spandex where you can see everything. People in the church put on spandex so you can see everything. I know y'all getting mad. Because I remember when y'all started wearing them. And you would wear something on top to cover yourself. And that only lasted for a while. Why? Because the culture of the world was dictating to the church instead of the church dictating to the world. And what are you going to do with a woman who's okay with showing all her stuff? And what man takes pleasure in something that every man can see? But the world culture is affecting the church. <sighs> Lord, get me out of this because they don't like things that has to do with uh, this subject. So don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a, come on, a new person 
By how? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn. You will learn. You will what? That means you don't know. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you know the ways of God. You have to be taught. And that's what I'm doing now with the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to teach you how to walk in victory in a world that has been on going to hell. I'm trying to teach you God's way so that you will be preserved in the fire. I'm trying to teach you the ways of God so that you will be provided for in the famine because it's coming. I'm trying to teach you the truths of God's word so you'll have faith if the water brook dries up that God will give you and your family water if it got to come out of a rock. Jesus. So to be ye transformed means a metamorphosis. Will you put up my illustration that I asked for tonight about a metamorphosis? Look at this. What is this? What is this? What are you looking at? It's a what? It's a caterpillar. What is it? Well, keep watching. Oh, my. Something's happening. Oh, my goodness. What just happened? I said, what just happened? It was a transformation. A caterpillar turned into, wait a minute, something that couldn't fly. Something that had to crawl on the ground. Something that had to live a low life. But when it allowed itself to go through transformation, that which used to live a low life is now living a high life. So the old things have passed away, yes? So transformation means metamorphosis, a complete and total change. Can I use you for a minute, sir? No, it, can I use you, sir? He thought I was talking to him because he preached Sunday. Uh, is that the best you got? So, this is your old man, all jacked up. That's why you came to Jesus. None of us came to Jesus and said, you know what? I think I'm just going to get sick. My life's so good. Everything is working so wonderful. I think I'll just get saved. No, no, no. We all came to Jesus because without him, it was not working. Amen. And everybody we've turned to 
and everybody who said they could help us, we found out that they couldn't really help us because the help that we needed only Jesus provided. So we came to Jesus just as we were, wounded, scarred, dealing with fear, battling with lust, angry at everybody. Some had sexual and verbal abuse. Man, you and you something. Poverty mindset, just been poor all your life. Down. Oh, here we go. Came to Jesus, strung out on crack or coffee. Oh, yeah, you strung out. Oh, Jesus. If you can't start your day with it, if you say, hey, don't talk to me yet. I ain't had my first cup of coffee. You hooked. Not on Jesus, on coffee. But anyway, come on to Jesus. Bring your coffee cup with you. So when, when you come to Jesus, now that you're saved, Paul, by the Holy Ghost, he said, now, Put off that old man. So, so you take him. I can take him off for you. Because I can't take his old man off. And you can't take off something that somebody don't want off. And if he don't want it off, he can keep it on. So Paul said, take off the old man and his way of thinking. And put on. Come on, man. He said, put on not a Romy sale shirt. He didn't say put on a shirt that nobody else want. And he didn't say put on a shirt that somebody else been wearing. He said, put on God of mercy. He said, put on the new man. So just like you took the old man off, you come on, hurry up and put him on. Well, just take it over your head. Hold, good, good lesson. Hold it right there. Hold it right there. Because the brother's struggling. Because Paul said, put on the new man, but it looks like he need a class on how to put the new man on. Talk to me, somebody. So let me give him a quick class. You unbutton this. And then you unbutton this. It's clear to me you're not used to new things. And see, God didn't say he would do an old thing. God said he will do a new thing. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, just stick it over your head. Ooh, there you go. 
Ooh, man. Are you married? Yeah. And see, the new culture is now you don't even take off the tag. You just, just wear it the way you got it. But come on, give him a great big God bless you. Did you get anything tonight? Beloved, I wish of all, beloved, I wish it above all that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as so your prosperity, financial prosperity, soul prosperity, or your, the health and the wellness of your body is all relative to how your soul prospers. Ooh, Jesus. So in other words, you won't prosper financially and you won't have good health the way you're supposed to have it until you get knowledge, until you change your mind, until there's a transformation. You're not poor in your pocket. You're poor in your head. That's why if somebody gives you some money, you still can't make it do anything for you because your poverty is not in your pocket. Your poverty is not in your pocketbook. It's not in your wallet. It's in your head. It's been designed by God. It's a law. Say it's a law. You will attract into your life what you meditate on, even if it's wrong. You want to have more? Think about it more. Plant a seed for more. And you'll have more. And the Bible says you'll have more than enough. Were you blessed tonight? Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.